0: do, um, but today our focus is going to be on the message of the gospel, the evangelistic message, uh, how we get that out, and, uh, and um, perhaps a, a few different ways to approach different situations. Uh, before we uh, begin, let me open in prayer. Oh, glorious Lord, we thank you that you have raised us up from the dust of death. Out of the miry pit you have set our feet upon a rock. And O Lord, we pray that you would put a new song in our mouth, a hymn of praise to our God, and that because of the words that you have us speaking, uh, many would see, many would fear, and put their trust in the Lord. Lord, make us your ambassadors, make us your evangelists in the world, uh, and through the work that you will do in us, we pray that you would gather in all your elect uh, into one church, one holy body, uh, joined together in Christ. O Lord, would you do this, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, before we get going too far, I want to, because uh, I'm afraid I'll forget about them at the end, uh, I want to share with you some, uh, some resources. Um, one is a bookmark uh, that I'm going to give everyone, and uh, I found this a couple, actually I put this together several years ago when I was working with the youth group. We did a class on evangelism, and part of what we did was we, uh, we had the kids memorizing the Romans Road, which is a wonderful way to explain the gospel, to explain our need and the gift of God. And so uh, for each of the kids, I I made up a a little bookmark. I'm going to hand them out. might be helpful for you, maybe just to to throw in your Bible. If you need more, uh, take more. There are more than enough for everybody here. Um, Take a few. Give them to everybody in your family if you want. Uh, But that's just a resource for you. We're we're not going to walk through the Romans Road today. Uh, This class isn't about uh, the Romans Road or learning the Romans Road, but I think it is a really helpful way uh, to, uh, to share the gospel and, and a good outline. And so um, make sure you grab one of those afterwards. I also brought uh, some tracks uh, that I like. Several months ago, I was looking for some good tracks because there are a lot of really bad ones out there. Um, and I went through a lot of really bad ones and, and filtered some. And, uh, and here are four that I think are pretty good. And I'm going to put these on the back table uh, as well and would encourage you to pick one up. Um, pick up one or two and, and read it. And if you like it, if you think it's good, pass it along to somebody else. If you need more of these, the church can order more of these. We can put these in your hands so that you've got something uh, to share with other people. But uh, the four that I've got, one is by Vadi Bakum. Uh It's called Life's Ultimate Questions. Uh, the other is, uh, is actually uh, from Kevin DeYoung, but it's called The Story. Uh, another one, Greg Gilbert, Who is Jesus?, and uh, the last one, John MacArthur, The Only Solution to the Greatest Problem. And so it, it's just a, all of these are really good examples of ways to, uh, to get the gospel message out there. And so maybe just for your own benefit, just to read and understand and see a few different approaches to the same message. That's what we're talking about today, different approaches to the same timeless message. Uh, but maybe this will be helpful for you. And so I'll put them on the back. Make sure you grab one. And, uh, and take them and, and give them to somebody else. And again, if you want more, uh, we can get more. All right, uh, on to our class. And we're going to begin, as we have, with a, uh, a guiding text. So grab your Bible. Uh, I don't have the screen today, so grab your Bible and turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, it It'll be just a small section to get us started today, but it's verses 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 says this, Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer, how you ought to answer each person. Here's a call, I think, for us uh, from Paul, but directly connected to the call from Jesus uh, to be the light of the world, uh, to be the salt of the earth. And Paul is telling uh, the people in Colossae how to engage with unbelievers. He's talking about outsiders. Uh, And his call here is to have your your words seasoned with salt. Now that's, that's kind of a question about what exactly does he mean. Uh, when you talk about uh, the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says, uh, you are the salt of the earth. Generally, um, people take that as, uh, as a preservative, something that's, that's added to keep uh, rot from, from creeping. And in the age before refrigeration, you would salt everything. You would salt all of your meat so that so they wouldn't go bad. And, and there's a sense in which it might be a preservative. But I think here um, in Paul, in Colossians, it's really an attractiveness. You notice that he puts this right alongside gracious words, uh, words that, uh, that are fit to the occasion, words that are, are, uh, are seasoned well, that, that uh, you know, you've all had dishes that don't have enough salt. They're kind of bland. You've had dishes that have too much salt. Uh, when I cook, I tend to have a salt tooth, and, and everything gets a little more salty than it should. Um, but there's that happy balance uh, that is, it makes the whole dish appetizing. It makes you want to eat more of it. Uh, And it actually increases your desire for the food that you're eating. And I think this is the idea that Paul has here. Uh, The gospel itself is is offensive enough to unbelievers. And we've seen that. and We've talked about that a little bit. Uh, But what we need to do is is try to strip away in our presentation of it, when we're interacting with unbelievers, we want to strip away any unattractiveness that may come because of the way that we present it. Uh, we don't want to change the gospel message, we, we don't want to dress it up in things that ought not to be there, uh, but we want to present it uh, tactfully in different situations uh, so that it can have that attractive sort of nature so that others will be drawn in so that they'll want to hear more. Um, I heard a, a pastor recently talking about uh, an old documentary uh, about uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Many of you will remember uh, those names. Uh, but in this documentary, Tammy Faye Baker, who was famous for having just a face full of makeup, uh, the documentary uh, was examining her as she was, well, I- interviewing her as she was, she was going through her morning routine, and, and the documentarian asked her about uh, how much time she spent on her face and, and her beauty regimen and all these other things, and then she talked about that, but then she said how important it was because her husband had never seen her face without makeup. Uh, which is just, you know, mind-boggling. But what we don't want to do with the gospel, how we make it attractive is not just to dress it up uh, in cosmetics so that nobody can see the real thing. Uh, The gospel is beautiful enough without all of those external dressings, without all that other stuff that we put on there, but we need to know how to handle the word rightly, not to dress it up, not to cover it with cosmetics and slather a a bunch of stuff on it to cover it, but, but to get it out there and get it out there in a way that others will see and hear and we will be drawn into it. Chris, were you going to add to the conversation? Yeah, I was just going to point out that, that the notion of being a, a preservative and being
1: appealing are, in a lot of ways,
0: part of the same equation. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. That's a that's a helpful corrective, and I hope I didn't uh, give the impression that these you know the preservative and the in the appetizing effects are are uh, going in different directions. I, I love beef jerky. It's preserved and it's appetizing, uh, and so you know they can be they can be one and the same. Uh, and I think that's the case. But here I, I think you know it, it is this idea of. Um, present it in such a way that others will be drawn in, that they will taste what, what is there and say, I want to have some more of that. I want to, I want to know more about what you're, what you're saying. But I also appreciate what you're saying about the, the error in this. And if we don't do this well, um, that, that it can be offensive for the wrong reasons, that it can be off-putting in a way that the gospel is not meant to be off-putting. Uh, and, and here, you know, one of the critiques of the unbelieving world on, on Christians is that they're so judgmental. Um, but if we, were, if we were humble enough to present the gospel as something that has affected our lives because we too are sinners in need of salvation, uh, hopefully that would be appetizing that others would say, no, no, no this isn't coming from, from a heart of pride. It's not coming from a standpoint of judgmentalism and, and Christians looking down on everybody else, uh, but Christians looking across the aisle and saying, no, I'm, I'm like you and you need what the Lord has also given to me. And, and that hopefully is is more attractive than here's what's wrong with all of you people, and here's why we're really better off. And thank you, Lord, that you've not made me like that tax collector over there. Uh, that's uh, that's disdainful. It's disgusting. Um, but what we want to do is is to present it in an attractive way. Good. Scott. Um, when I look at to one end, mm-hmm. you know, there at the end. Nope. There's got to be, you know, the holiness Mm of
1: the the salt preservative, Mm -hmm. and you know, by that, you know, getting both ends of that, you're going to get a response. Perhaps I Mm -hmm. think it does need to be winsome, as the truth always is. Mm -hmm. But when I look at Paul, such a logical thinker. Mm -hmm.
0: Right, absolutely. Yeah, 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 I, I like that. Uh, and, to, and to use this metaphor, this, this culinary sort of thing, um, you know when a dish is properly seasoned, when, when the salt doesn't make you notice the salt, but it makes you notice all the other flavors that are in the dish. Um, and I, I think you know, this is part of what he's giving us, that uh, there are elements of the gospel message, and we want to have a biblical balance on each of those elements. Um, a question came up two weeks ago about a certain tele-evangelist, um, and we'll put evangelist in air quotes, and I, I had kind of a harsh reaction, but part of the question that we need to ask is, well, what exactly is the gospel message, and how do we know if someone is preaching the gospel or not preaching the gospel? Uh, do we have those essential elements that ought to be there at all times when the gospel is preached, or are we missing something really potentially big? Um, and, uh, and when our, our words are seasoned with salt, everything melds together, in, in one delicious presentation, in a sense. Um, and, you, and you see all the things. You don't see uh, the presentation itself. And that's what, uh, that's what we're hoping to do. Uh, when we present the gospel to someone else, that, that they're not amazed by us. Wow, you really have read your Bible. You know way more than I could ever know about these things. And so you're going to become my new guru. No, no, no. We, we want them to go... Uh, just right past us and to the scriptures and to Christ who is presented in the scriptures. We want them to look beyond uh, who we are and what we're presenting, but we want them to look to Christ uh, who invites them to come, who calls them uh, to come and, uh, and trust in him and have life. Yeah, John, this is great. I haven't even gotten into my material yet today. We're definitely not going to get done. John, No, 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 that's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And be prepared for that. Um, You know, you're using exactly the the language of 2 Corinthians uh, where Paul says, for we are the aroma of Christ. To some, the smell of life to life for those who are being saved. To others, the smell of death to death. And who's sufficient for these things? And it's made, uh, you know, that passage is meant to draw us to abandon um, an idea that we are sufficient to, to do any of these things. It's a, uh, it's a rhetorical question. Who's sufficient? The answer is nobody. Nobody's sufficient for these things. Nobody's sufficient to decide who gets the aroma of death and who gets the aroma of life. But instead, it's the same aroma. It's the same scent of Christ, uh, like, a, like a sacrifice uh, as it goes forward and, and uh, the Lord smells the sacrifice and it's a pleasing aroma. Then others may smell it and say, oh, the, you know, it smells like burning hair. It smells terrible. Whatever. We, you know, we, could, we could follow that analogy if we wanted to. Um, but the idea is that we are called to be faithful in the presentation, and the Lord will do with it what he chooses. But again, we need to be faithful in the presentation. Uh, Paul says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation, and the Bible tells us that the Lord will not let his word return to him void, but we need to make sure that we're actually presenting the gospel and not something that we think is the gospel. And not uh, not something that we've made up that sounds good to us and will draw in other people, um, and so we, we need to be really uh, careful here with what is the message. And this is why we're spending time today asking what is the message of the gospel. Good. And we're going to uh, to change gears a little bit, uh, and we're going to go into crowdsourcing mode, um, and uh, let you interact and maybe teach us. So I have um, I have a good friend in our presbytery. Part of our presbytery meetings, what we do. Uh, when the churches come together and all the elders are there, we examine men for ministry. Uh, so, new, new teachers, new pastors coming into our, our presbytery who are pastoring in churches or doing church planning, whatever, uh, men who are coming through seminary and being licensed. Um, but we have an examination on the floor of presbytery, and we get to ask all sorts of challenging questions and play stump the chump with the guy that's standing up there. Um, but one of the best questions I've heard in recent years, and uh, and my friend used to ask this every time we were uh, at Presbytery and of every candidate who came up. He would ask them, uh, what is a passage of Scripture that you have memorized that you could use to explain the gospel to someone who doesn't know? He would say, what is a passage of Scripture that you have memorized? One place, not drawing from five different uh, systematic texts to, to put them together. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but one place that you would go to explain the gospel to somebody that doesn't know it. Now, you, you aren't being examined, and so let's get rid of the, the memorized portion, um, but maybe one that you know uh, offhand, you know the reference, and we can all turn there and look at it together. And I, I want to hear uh, what are some scriptures that we can turn to that, that give us this biblical balance that we're talking about, that maybe it's not losing this element or that element, but has it all there, that if you had someone who came up to you who was willing to look at a scripture with you, where would you go? And, and how would you explain the gospel to them? Any ideas? I see Jay first, and then Alicia. Really? Well, so Ladies first. 17, not 16? So remind us, remind us of... Yeah, I want to know why. Okay. Um, let's say, uh, and it might be different depending on the person that you're talking to, what their background is, uh, how familiar they are with these things. Um, that's a, a great place to go. That's a wonderful place uh, to share the gospel. Between those two verses especially, if you can get them with something that they already know and say, oh, but, but by the way, there's actually more of this. Um, so is there anything that, as we're thinking about this biblical balance and this, this uh, appealing approach, is there anything that that is missing um, that maybe just needs, uh, not the, the fault of that text. I'm, I'm not saying, that, you know, is there something wrong with that text. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that text, but, but as you're trying to present the gospel in a full-orbed way, is there anything, where are the areas that you might need to give more explanation if you started there? Is that the perishing? So what does it mean? To, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a big discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and, and so we're, we're getting into some of these questions, not just, I like the way that you put that, not just does it need more explanation, uh, but we're starting to interact perhaps where people will, will know what you're talking about, but they simply won't believe it. You say I'm perishing. I, I don't think I'm perishing. I don't think I have a problem, quite frankly, because my life is going well, and my family's doing well, and my mortgage is almost paid off, and my car is nice, and my house is clean, and, and my kids are well-behaved, uh, and so I don't really think that I have a problem, but what we're doing uh, is we're, we're confronting the world uh, with the message that things are not okay, uh, but Christ has come so that we can be restored to, to life and to the Father. Yeah. Yeah, and so John three sixteen and 17 is an excellent place to go. Yeah. Yeah, and here's something that we have to, we're going to move on to Alicia in just a minute, um, but here's something we also have to, to reconcile with, that oftentimes when we are called upon or when we have an opportunity to share the gospel, I think in, uh, in hard, liberal New England, we tend to assume that people don't believe the gospel because they've heard it and they've intellectually rejected it. That they said, no, 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 I'm a I'm a former Catholic and now I'm an atheist because I, I decided I don't believe all that stuff and, and I don't want anything to do with it. That's not always the case. Uh, very often, people don't believe it just because they're apathetic. I just don't think about that sort of thing. I don't, haven't read it. I, I, don't, I don't really even care to read it because it doesn't seem like the sort of thing that connects in my life. In, in any meaningful way, that it seems like this fable that you believe. That's the way that, that some people believe. And, and, and it's not an outright rejection, not a militant, atheistic sort of, uh, I'm crusading against Christian faith. No, it's just sort of a, I don't need that. Um, and, so, and so getting to the point where uh, we're, we're connecting it in a way, this is this, is this uh, seasoned with salt, uh, that, that we would present it in a way that it is true, we believe it is true, uh, but in a way that others would see it and say, actually, that has something to do with me. Uh, and, and you're striking a chord, and, and this conversation, even of, you know, it gets into the whole history of the world. One of the best uh, evangelistic uh, conversation starters that I've heard uh, from another pastor friend of mine uh, is to ask somebody, what do you think is wrong in the world? Because everybody thinks something is wrong in the world. Nobody looks at our world and says, oh, everything's hunky dory, everything's fine. Now, we'll all have different uh, ideas about what it is. Maybe it's an education problem, maybe it's a whatever problem, And, and, and we have different ideas, but we can start somewhere. Everybody agrees, everybody likes to complain, there's something wrong, and so let's start there. And the biblical answer is, as you're talking about, Jay, well, no, we're perishing. We're perishing because of our sin, but Christ has come so that you might have life. We are in the age of pop atheism railing against pop Christianity, Uh, and there is is very little relentless pursuit of the truth. Uh, But when you're able to sit down, I I love what you're talking about here, this is a a personal conversation where you're challenging this person, and you're saying, well, well, what have you read? What exposure do you have? Uh, And and pop atheism will make all of these claims about Christianity, and, and, well, have you read it? Have you actually sat down and read the scriptures? And very often, there are many people that have. They've, they've read the scriptures cover to cover, and they've rejected it, and, and their hearts are hardened, and, and that happens. But there are a lot more other people who, I, I've heard somebody. I, I like this, this news blurb. I like this sound bite, And that got me going, and so I don't want anything to do with this other thing, even though I've never really examined it. Now, that's a, that's a sword that cuts in two ways. Because they will come to you and say, but have you examined it? Well, Okay, let's be willing to examine, because we believe that God's truth is true, uh, and and we're not afraid to examine some of these questions and to interact with others. Okay, we're way off topic. Alicia, uh, where would you go? Uh, What scripture would you use to uh, communicate the gospel to somebody who doesn't yet know it? Yeah. Oh good, good. Lay 'em on us. I have one little bird hanging on our kitchen wall. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what's the what's the value of a text like that? Um, well, it confronts um, this question that well, actually, we don't all believe that 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 precise statement that she made. Well, of course. Well, no, no, this is an exclusive statement that Jesus is making. He is narrowing the road. He is not blowing it wide open. He's not doing uh, what the New Agers like to think, well, we're all blindfolded men feeling different parts of the elephant, and some think that, you are know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jesus is saying, no, there's actually one thing. And I'm that one thing. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so he's confronting us with our incredible need, and he's confronting us with the fact that he's the only Savior. And unless we come to him in faith and repentance, this lays a burden upon us, Uh, unless we come to him in faith and repentance, there is no salvation. And if we are separated from him, we are separated from God. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And and be prepared if you're going to use one of these scriptures be prepared to explain things like the domain of darkness. <laughs> you mean there there is a domain of darkness there is a realm um, beyond what I can see, that uh, that somehow has some sort of influence in the world, and and God is involved in snatching people uh, as a, bl- a brand plucked from the fire. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, and and even how it happens. Um, well, we don't have a a statement of the cross, we don't have a statement of substitutionary atonement here, but we do have, through his Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and that raises the question of, well, why forgiveness through the Son? Why, you know, some people think of, uh, if they think of sin and God at all, well, God can just forgive sins at will, just because he chooses to. Um, and, And there doesn't need to be any payment, but because God is loving, he can simply He can simply get rid of it. Um, But the scriptures are clear that there is a transaction that takes place. Not that that your sin is necessarily a a material that cannot be uh, created or destroyed but can only change states. That's not what it is. But but there is this, we have to do something with the sin and with the guilt. Uh, It is not just something that, poof, evaporates. Um, But it has to be done away with. It has to be, you know, the scriptural language of Isaiah 53 is that he carries our sins. He bears our sins, and he takes it away. Um, that as the east is from the west so far, has he removed our sin from us? Uh, that our sin is a real thing, but it's, it's now taken away. And this opens the, the question of uh, if your sin hasn't been taken away, if your sin hasn't been forgiven, it's still there. And how can you get rid of these things? How can you be free from this burden? It's a... It's a pilgrim's progress sort of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a weight on the back, and he, uh, he's in a, under a burden until it can be taken uh, care of, and until he comes to the foot of the cross and the burden rolls away and into the tomb. Uh, it, but there, there is this, there's this palpable weight, and, and maybe part of our evangelism is convincing people that there is this weight. Uh, that we, we have to talk about sin. There, there is no evangelism without talking about sin and its forgiveness. Good. Others. Where would you go? Bill, where would you go to explain the gospel to somebody? Well, I, I, I kind of like uh, Hebrews 2, one, 2, and 3. Yep. Uh, when are yes, please do. Hebrews 2? No, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. 2 and 3. Yes. Mm. An excellent verse, Bill. Why would you choose that one to uh, to explain the gospel to somebody? What's there that, that you would zero in on?
2: Well, it, it says that uh, the son is God. Yeah. He's not somebody else. Yeah. He's the exact representation of his being.
0: Yeah. That
2: means he's just like him. But yeah. He must be God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. He did purification yep. of sin. Mm-hmm. We're now, sitting in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Several very important things. One, Christ is the Creator. Uh, and this idea well, if our problem, if you get far enough along in your conversation to talk about sin, as we were just talking about with, with Alicia's verse, and the fact that our problem is between humanity and the the creator who who made us and sustains all things by the word of his power, then we have to answer the question, well, what does Jesus have to do with all this? Because if he was just a man, uh, then he's in the same situation we are. And if he's just God, uh, then he doesn't come near. But in the incarnation, he who is God has come near to make purifications in our place. And so it, it struggles with this idea of the incarnation and who Christ is and what he's done, and that's the evangelistic message. It, it deals with Jesus' person and Jesus' work and how that, how that interacts with our lives and what that has to do with us. Uh, this is an excellent verse uh, to go to. Is there anything maybe for evangelistic purposes that this is, uh, this is leaving out that we would want to explain or we want to, would want to go further with this? He made purification. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. It, it does get in the direction of the resurrection, too, which is an important part of the gospel message. Right, right, on the cross. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and this idea that not only has Christ died for sins, but he is alive, and he's someone who we can go to now. Uh, that he is at the right hand of the Father, that it's not just Jesus died a long time ago and here's what this historical thing has to do with your life. It's it's the living Savior. Yes, yes, absolutely. Maybe one more. Mike? I'm gonna try tea, uh, All right, that's okay. <inaudible> oh, yeah. one one passage or verse yeah i I think that qualifies, yeah, yeah, one through ten, and this is one of my favorites, yep <laughs> we hear four, hear five, hear five, hear five, hear six, 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 all right, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Mm. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have bestowed.
1: Mhm. So, it, it, really mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I think um Ephesians is is one of my favorites um because between verses 1 through 10 it's so full orbed It talks about our problem, it talks about God's intervention, Uh, it talks, if you can connect it to chapter 1, it talks about Christ who is resurrected and still living, uh, and the same power that raised Christ from the dead, so also raises us. There's a parallelism that we lose when we put chapter breaks in sometimes, and that happens between chapter 1 and chapter 2. This idea that Christ is alive, he's raised at the right hand of the Father, and so also can we be raised, dead in our sins, yet raised by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And it also talks about what we need. What does the Lord require? How are, how are we connected to this Christ who offers us salvation? Well, it's, it's by grace through faith. What do we need? We need to come to him uh, in faith. And, and that is something that, um, you know, we were talking a while ago about being ambassadors. As, uh, as evangelists, we, uh, we are ambassadors. And Paul says, we are ambassadors for God, God making his appeal to us, be reconciled. And the evangelistic message is not just, here's what Jesus did. But The the evangelistic message is, here's what Jesus did, and this is what it requires of you. It calls you to faith. It calls you to repentance. It calls you to be united to this one who offers you himself and calls you to salvation and to new life. Uh, And I think Ephesians does that beautifully, beautifully. And it even talks about what does the life of a believer look like after they come to Christ. Well, we are to walk in good works. We're his workmanship. God continues to work in us. It's not a one and done, okay, now I can walk away because I've got my decision card, then everything's a hunky dory. No, no, no. It's this ongoing, we are his workmanship. The Lord works in us, and we are to walk in good works, which he prepared beforehand. And there's, there is a, a comparison between verses one through three you walked according to the course of this world and the the prince of the power of the air, and now you walk in good works, and and it's a complete change of lifestyle. Don't forget when you are explaining the gospel to someone uh, that you need to talk about the cost of the gospel. Free forgiveness, but it's going to cost you everything. Uh, And if we ignore that, then it can become this sort of bait-and-switch sort of thing. Come to Jesus and, and repent of your sins and turn to him in faith, and everything's okay. And they say, oh, great. I feel really good. Well, now you have to come to church, and you have to start reading your Bible, and you got to do a lot of praying. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I, I thought it was faith and repentance and then salvation. Well, yes, but. Um, and, and, you know, salvation doesn't come because we do all of these Christian things. Uh, but those who are saved, those who have a living faith, will do those Christian things. We'll have a life of discipleship and following Jesus, as we saw um, through, uh, through Peter and some of the rest of the, the disciples. And so we need to hold all of these things. Uh, We don't want to present the gospel so quickly uh, that it's a bait and switch and people say, oh, yeah, 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 wait a minute, I didn't know what I was signing up for. Oh, the gospel makes demands of us. The gospel is not cheap grace. Uh, It's incredibly costly and demands everything of us. I I, I love uh, Ephesians chapter 2. If you have someone who is willing to sit down with you um, and willing to look through some scriptures with you and take some time, you can find just about the whole thing right there uh, in Ephesians 2 and lots of other places. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. I have a few more passages uh, I wanna share with you that you can, you can use, uh, but I also want to review uh, J.I. Packer's systematic approach to this because I think it's really, really good, and I think uh, perhaps the best thing to do is just to whet your appetites for J.I. Packer, and to say, go and read it on your own, because it's, it's well worth the time invested. It won't take you very long, um, and so we'll, we'll skip over a, a lot of uh, J.I. Packer, but we want to look at some more of these passages, uh, because as we read these passages, as we perhaps memorize these passages, uh, not only do they prepare us uh, to share the gospel with somebody else, but it also it increases our love for Christ. It grows us in worship. It, it increases our zeal and our hearts to be evangelists because the more we hear the gospel, the, the, the Lord doesn't allow his word to return void, and that even speaks of believers. And he works it further into your heart. And the more that you, you meditate and you steep in these things, the more work he does in your heart, and he makes you want to go out and share it. So let's, let's look at a few more of uh, these verses together. Uh, one of the best places to go, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, the beginning verses. Paul says... Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Now here's what's really good about 1 Corinthians 15, that Paul basically says, here's the gospel. (laughs) This is it. This is a summary. I would remind you, uh, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then he goes on to talk about Christ's uh, appearance to uh, to Cephas and the other apostles and more than 500 brothers at one time, many of whom are still alive. Uh, Thank you very much if you want to go back and check with them. That's that's the implication there. Um, And and so what do we see in in this passage? Uh, Well, we see that that Paul uh, connects salvation... Uh, to doctrinal assent. And let's not forget that. Uh, That that in order to be saved, one needs to believe that Christ has done certain things. It's not all that you have to believe, not just that things are factual, but you have to trust in the Christ who has done these things, that he died, why? Well, for sins. Uh, And he was buried. He was really, actually dead in the ground, and then he was really resurrected according to the scriptures, that all of it was foretold, that this was something that the Lord said he was going to do from ages before, and he's talking about uh, this gospel that was preached, he says you've received it, you stand in it, and you're being saved by it, so long as you hold fast to it. And so there is this idea that, that uh, we need to proclaim uh, the reality of all of these things, not just that it's some metaphor that changes your life. Uh, that teaches you to walk in a new way. It's not just a metaphorical salvation. It's a real salvation uh, through a real historical Savior, and that's a really, really uh, important part of of communicating the gospel. Uh, One of the other ones, Um, Jay, you you brought up, I think, um, or maybe you brought up Romans 3, but Romans 6, 23 is another good one. Uh, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a great compact, powerful summary. One to have just on your lips, ready for a a time when the Lord may, uh, may open the door. What is good about that passage that we can use in evangelism? Jay, was that a hand? hmm hey, Yeah. The book of John. what you, yeah. you, you spend, you know, forty five mm-hmm. that, for? mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? mm-hmm. it's, it's the scripture that, that teaches us, right? Mm-hmm. And the work mm-hmm. um, wanna one other thing real quick. Uh, from uh, Mr. online. Oh my Oh that. my are you telling me my dad is watching at home and he's uh, commenting? Great. Yeah, so Thanks, Dad. what
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: yep. What was the reference, Jay? Coming to you live across the airwaves. <laughs> Revelation 12, 11, uh, and they have conquered by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, the testimony of the saints uh, and what Christ has done by the blood of the Lamb. Good. Um, well, that's embarrassing and fun <laughs> all at the same time. Great. Some others. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I think this dovetails very well, uh, not surprisingly, with the the passage that Elisha brought up, uh, the beginning of Colossians, but now later in Colossians. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham. I'm sorry, this is Galatians 3. I knew that didn't sound right. Galatians 3, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You might not want to use this passage for everyone uh, because there are some things you'd have to explain like, what's the blessing of Abraham? Um, But let's say you have a Jewish friend at work uh, and you have an opportunity to speak to them about Christ. And you can speak about the blessing of Abraham. Well, what is the blessing of Abraham? Well, that I would be God to you and you would be my people forever. Throughout your generations. Well, it actually comes through Jesus Christ. And, and it comes through his uh, redeeming us from the curse of the law. Because cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So, so Christ has taken the punishment, uh, the covenant obligations and the punishment that's due to us. But he's given us all the blessing of the covenant. And he draws us into relationship with the Lord. And so here's a, here's a great gospel summary. Um, you can write these down and look at them later. Titus chapter three. Titus chapter three, uh, verses three through seven. Uh, another one of the, just the best gospel summaries in the New Testament, talking about our problem that not only is between us and the Lord, but between us and one another. Uh, hating one another, it says, and being hated by one another. Uh, passing our days in malice and envy and just the, the human repercussions of sin. Maybe that's a good place to begin for somebody who, who struggles with the brokenness of this world. Uh, and we can talk about, well, where does that brokenness man to man come from? Well, it's a, it's a more fundamental brokenness and a sin between man and God. And so Titus 3, uh, but then talks about Christ appearing and saving us uh, by the regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit. So Titus 3, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 to 25. Christ committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Uh, when he reviled, he didn't revile. Um, he himself bore our sins on his body on the tree. You were straying like sheep, but now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Another wonderful gospel passage in Colossians chapter 2. Here's the one that dovetailed uh, well uh, with Elisha's. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, and this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So here's a focus on what Christ has done, and it gets us in the direction of, well, what was the crucifixion all about anyway? The popular opinion of Jesus that he was just some great teacher, it's a travesty that he should be killed after only three years of ministry. A travesty that one who was so gifted and so eloquent and so beloved by the populace should be killed by the establishment, and it becomes this sort of parable for why you shouldn't speak out against the religious establishment and what sort of happens with people who who get too big for their britches, in a sense. But that's not the idea. It's not a travesty that Christ uh, was crucified. It was the whole point for his coming. He told us that he came to lay down his life as a ransom for many. That nobody took it from him, but he laid it down of his own accord. This is just, this is the gospel message. And so what we're talking about here is uh, just some of the, the passages that we have, um, that we can go to, that we can, uh, we can share the gospel quickly. Now, uh, truth be told, we could go on. Uh, you have other passages that you could think of. And I could probably come up with a few more if pressed. Uh, but uh, as, as good as all of these things are, and they are great, if you have someone who is willing to sit down with you and look at Scripture, take him to any one of these and start a conversation and speak to them about what God has done in Christ Jesus to restore fallen humanity to himself. Um, but it's also helpful for us to have a working outline of the gospel message. Not because we, we can do better than the biblical text. Not because uh, we can somehow improve on what we see. But in most of these texts, they were written to specific situations to specific people. And they have specific application that we can apply to ourselves, but what we began with was Paul telling us, know how you ought to answer each person. And so maybe your approach is to have a lot of these things ready and to know which of these passages will apply best to the person that I'm speaking to now. That's part of knowing how you ought to answer each person. Uh, But I think it's also important to understand that we are uh, made in God's image, and so we're, we're systematic in our thinking generally. We, we want a system that makes sense. That's not a bad thing. Now The Lord has given us Scripture, and some Scriptures need to be interpreted with other Scriptures, and the things that are unclear sometimes are interpreted by the things that are more clear. And the Lord has given us all of these doctrines that we can piece together to have the whole counsel of God's Word. That's what Paul said uh, to the elders in Ephesus when he was leaving in, in Acts chapter 20. I didn't, I didn't refrain from preaching to you the whole counsel of God's Word, and so we want to we take it all together. And so it's helpful... Uh, to have a systematic approach. That's uh, why I'm going to give you this, uh, this bookmark with Romans Road on it, that it will give you one systematic approach. Uh, another good systematic approach uh, that helps us to keep track with those that we're talking to, um, Rico Tice, in the book that we've mentioned several times, Honest Evangelism, he structures the gospel message around Jesus himself. And he says the gospel message, his three points are, it's a message of identity, it's a message of mission, and it's a message of call. So identity is who Jesus is, and, and uh, mission is, is what he's done, why he came, to live and to die and to rise again, and then, and then the message of call. What does Jesus require of us? Uh, Jesus came, uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 14 and 15 tells us, Jesus came uh, out, of, uh, out of the wilderness and into Galilee, preaching the kingdom of God and saying, Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news of the kingdom that makes demands upon us. And so this is, this is Tice's breakdown. Identity, who Jesus is. Mission, what Jesus has done. And call, what Jesus requires of us. And that's really helpful. And if you pick that, uh, that book up, you, you'll get to that section later, later there. But it'll just give you a framework. And if you're, you're talking to somebody and you're sharing the gospel, with them, you can get flustered and you can, you can lose track. And especially if you get in contact with one of those people that wants to make an evangelistic conversation, uh, just sort of a philosophical roundabout. And you could just go around and around and around and around and never pick an exit, and never get off and, and go in any direction. Um, but having this sort of breakdown, okay, well, identity, uh, mission, and call, you know where to go next and you know where to, to lead them uh, as you're sharing, them, uh, sharing with them the gospel. Um, and then we're going we're gonna to blow past most of, of what we had today. But again, I want to whet your appetites for J.I. Packer. He has a different systematic approach. Uh, he says that the gospel message is comprised of four elements. He says the gospel is a message about God, it's a message about sin, it's a message about Christ, and it's a message about faith and repentance. God, sin, Christ, faith and repentance. And again, we need some uh, understanding of the person that we're talking to to know where do we start. If you're talking to a nominal lapsed Catholic in New England, you might not need to start with, there is a God who is a creator. They might already be with you on that. They might already say, okay, yeah, I, I'm not an atheist, but yeah, I'm not religious. I, I, don't, I don't go to church. Uh, and so you begin with, well, you know there's this God who's a creator, and you know he makes demands, and he sets standards. This is really important, that, that in order for us to get to that second point that Packer wants us to think about, uh, thinking about sin, it only makes sense in light of a creator who is over us and a God who is the judge of us. If there is nothing above us but sky, then, then sin has no repercussion. Um, that's the second element, and it connects really well with the first one. Uh, we'll, we need to know about sin and its consequences. Uh, here, I think, is maybe in our culture where, uh, where we need to do the most work. And Jay even uh, began to go in that direction. when We were talking about um, his, his passage in John chapter 3. Most people would say, well, you say... Uh, you say that I've got a problem. You say that I'm perishing, but I, I don't think I'm perishing. Um, at our session meeting this past week, Rob Steele told us about a, uh, an article. You can read it for yourself in the New York Times uh, called Raising Children Without the Concept of Sin. Uh, and this person who was writing the article was talking about how proud they were to have come out of their legalistic Christian upbringing. And uh, her daughter, who was 8 or 9 years old, they were standing at a street fair and there was a sign that said, uh, had the word sin in it, and her daughter looked up at her and said, what is sin? And she was so proud of herself. Uh, that's the way a uh, contemporary uh, man thinks. We don't even want to think about that. But we don't want to know these things. And she was so proud to have raised her child without religious indoctrination. And uh, you can read the article and find that she is indoctrinating her child in a much different direction, but that's, an, that's another thing. Uh, so maybe this is where you need to spend some significant time seeing what scripture says about the consequences of our sin, um, and, and not just individual sins, but sinfulness, and in relation to God. We're, we're not just talking about, what are you unhappy about with your life? What are the personality traits that you wish you could change? And we're talking about God's standards being broken, that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Sin only makes sense in relation to God, so those, those first two come together. And then uh, item number three, uh, it's a message about Christ. It's not just a message about what he's done historically, but it's a message about who he is. When the scripture speaks uh, of faith and repentance, which is the last part, it speaks of putting faith in Jesus, not just assenting in in, in what he's done. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, says Paul. Uh, Not just believe that something happened. The having happenedness is really important, um, but... Uh, we need to believe on Jesus Christ. And so he, Packer cautions us against um, presenting the work of Christ apart from his person and also uh, from presenting the person of Christ apart from his work. Those two can't be separated. You can read it and, and get something out of it, hopefully. And then uh, faith and repentance, he also wants to, to hold a balance here um, that that uh, Christianity and, and the gospel message isn't just about repent really hard and do your, do your best job of trying to free yourself from... A sin and its encumbrances, because when we understand what sin is, we realize that we can't do it on our own. And so repentance on its own is not enough, because when, when you have repentance, you're turning from sin, but the question is, what are you turning to? And if you think you're turning from sin and to yourself, you're really turning from sin and to sin. <laughs> that doesn't work. So the idea is turning from sin and to the God who can save you. And so it's faith and Repentance. But again, when we want to give the, the full orb message of the gospel, uh, it is faith that also requires repentance. It's not easy believism, as some would call it, or, or a cheap grace, uh, that if you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, you do so at the cost of leaving behind all of your, uh, your former way of living, of putting to death uh, the sinful man that is, that is within. And so we want to have this this full orbed understanding. So I commend to you uh, Packer's Evangelism, The Sovereignty of God. Every household should have it. It's really good uh, for lots of different reasons. Uh, But that is going to conclude our uh, study on evangelism. Uh, We've gone over again. Next week, we are going to begin a study on the minor prophets. Still deciding which ones. Uh, But we're going to take snapshots from some of the different minor prophets and walk through the biblical history. Uh, that they were writing into and, and the people they were speaking to and prophesying to. Uh, so that is the way forward for us. Uh, but I'll put some of these resources on the back table, uh, grab a bookmark, grab some tracts, take them, read them, share them with somebody else, uh, and may the Lord make us all evangelists. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious Lord and God, we thank you for the gospel message. We thank you for the testimony of the saints by the blood of Christ. We thank you that you've made us more than conquerors. Uh, through him who loves us, and we pray that you would gather us to yourself, that we would gather others to you, and that you would be pleased to use us and use the efforts of your spirit working through us uh, to call in your saints, to gather and to perfect your people, uh, and uh, to have a witness in the world. O Lord, would you do this. Enlarge our hearts, and we will run after you in evangelism, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.